this is the easy part of my day. I don't have to sing anything else except for Amazing Grace at the end. <laughs> but I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to get up and to share some good news. I have some gospel that I want to share with you. One of the things that I love to do, and Andrea will vouch for this, I tend to be the strange nerd when it comes to numbers and dates and times. If you were to ask me approximately 17 years ago, how much longer until your wedding, I could tell people at church down to the minute from 194 days out. Because it was 17 years ago, next week, that Andrea and I got married. <laughs> and I know, I look at her and she's like, did she get married when she was like 12? <laughs> I had to grow the beard to look a little bit older, so this is more fitting for my, my age. Uh, but we met, it was 20 years ago, a month ago. June 24th, 2002. This is a story that I've had a chance to share with you at some point in the past, about a year ago. I shared a testimony with us. What we're going to share today is kind of an adaptation of that for the sake of anybody who hasn't been able to, uh, anybody who hasn't had a chance to hear it, but we're doing this as a part of a sermon series uh, where, where we're dealing with God's miracles and blessings, the way that he works things out through difficult times. Because to be honest, our relationship has not been a storybook relationship. We've dated and broke up, and dated and broke up. And in fact, we had one time where we broke up, and by the end of our date, we had already scheduled, or by the end of our breakup phone call, we'd already scheduled our next date. So we've had these ups, and we've had these downs, and we've been on this journey. And here we are today. And like I said, I'll share more of the story in just a little bit. But I couldn't help but also notice another date that popped up on my calendar just yesterday, or should I say my Facebook feed just yesterday. That it was nine years ago yesterday that I mailed in my final research project for my master's degree. The research project was about a 15-page or so research paper on the book of Hosea chapter 2. Because the book of Hosea is another great illustration of a relationship that is, dare I say, hopelessly broken. And I can't help but notice how fitting it is that we get to deal with the one passage in this series of brokenness and God's miracles and blessings. I get to preach the week before our wedding anniversary. Today's message is going to take a look at three Three, you already know of two of them, three hopelessly broken relationships to see what God did and is doing to restore and redeem them. That's today's message. The second first date, God's efforts to restore and redeem three hopelessly broken relationships. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to gather together, to sing your praises, to open your word, and to hear you speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would do that, that you would speak now and help us to listen. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Or should I say, amen? <laughs> if you want to follow along with my notes, by the way, uh, 
all of you who have the Church Center app, because you guys have been downloading the Church Center app that I've been bugging you about for the past several months, right? Open your Church Center app, scroll to the bottom of the page, and down at the bottom of your usual buttons, right above Register for VBS, the button right above that says Sermon Notes. Click on that, and it'll take you to my Sermon Notes for today, found in the YouVersion Bible, if you're using the YouVersion Bible. Uh, if you don't have the church app, you don't have YouVersion Bible, you can still go to campion.church. Right at the top banner, you'll see a link for church app. Click there, follow the same process. Scroll to the bottom, look for sermon notes. Click on that, you'll see today's sermon notes, including a picture of young us and a picture of us from our wedding. <laughs> so hopefully you've done that. But either way, we're going to be studying the book of Hosea. So, take just a moment, open your Bibles to Hosea chapter 1. While you're open to Hosea chapter 1, I'll give you that time, because I know, Hosea can be a tricky one. Hosea is one of the minor prophets. It's probably the more major of the minor prophets, but I'll totally cheat, because many of us here are Adventists. It's the next book after Daniel. So for many of you, your Bibles just automatically fell open to the book of Daniel. It's the next one. Put your bullets in when you get there in Hosea chapter 1, and let me tell you a story of that first broken relationship. Like I said, it was about 20 years ago that boy meets girl. Boy fell head over heels for girl. Boy exchanged AOL Instant Messenger screen names with girl. Anybody know what AOL Instant Messenger is? Uh-huh. This was text messaging, but like on your computer. Because he didn't have smartphones back then. I know. Boy falls desperately in love with, with girl almost immediately. And then I got to know her and I realized that I picked a good one. We met on a Monday at a pool party that she didn't want to host, that I didn't want to go to. But God brought us together. On Tuesday, she had to go to work at Joanne Fabrics. And so I showed up at Joanne Fabrics and followed her around Joanne Fabrics, just chatting with her, kind of hanging out. And I took one of those little, like, patterns for how to... You, you remember Joanne Fabrics? And they're like, hey, check out how to do this craft. They've got these tear-off examples. I, excuse me, I took one of those and folded up an origami flower and gave it to her. And I think it became the first boy to ever give her a flower. On Wednesday, we went on our first date. Don't ask me where it was. We can't agree. <laughs> Thursday, I had to work. So we definitely weren't going to see each other. At least not supposed to. And after work, I swung by her house and dropped off an orange rose. First boy to ever give her a rose. And yes, it was orange, Haley. The first rose Mama got was an, was an orange one. On Friday, we went on our second date. And then on Saturday, I went on vacation. Because this is a great time of year to go on vacations. And we stayed in touch. Even through our absence, we stayed in touch using prepaid calling cards on payphones and leaving three-minute-long voicemails on her mom's answering machine. Did I mention she has an older brother? <laughs> so they'd get to the voicemail and, Andy, Mike called. <laughs> but it wasn't always smooth sailing. Because the biggest thing that many of you are aware of is that when we first met, most notably, 
Christian, not Christian. Adventist, atheist. Science Award winner, life goal was to work at Nintendo. I even wore my Super Mario socks today. I had dreams, I had plans, I knew where I was going. And then God found a way to get involved. She never actively witnessed at me. Never sat down and said our Bible, or our uh, date for today is Daniel chapter 2. We're going to study the metal man that the juniors and primary studied. But you better believe she always stood up for her faith. She always faithfully witnessed and never backed down when I tried to challenge her. For example, one thing we had in common was movies. We love to do movies. And so a new movie would come out, and I'd say, hey, new movies coming out, and new movies come out on Friday nights back in those days before there was, you know, the advanced stuff. Hey, new movies coming out Friday night. Let's go watch this new movie. And she says, well, I can't. Why not? I don't go out on Friday nights. Why not? Jesus asked me not to. Never heard that one before. Didn't realize thou shalt not go out on Friday nights was one of the Ten Commandments, but apparently it was. Fine. Won't go out? Let's go back to your mom's house. We'll hang out at your, your, your mom's, and we'll, you know, we'll grab a couple pepperoni pizzas on the way, and we'll just hang out at your mom's, have a nice quiet time. She's like, I can't. You can't what? Well, I don't eat pork. Are you American? Of course you eat pork. I don't eat pork. Why not? Jesus asked me not to. Show me where it says Jesus asked you not to. And she would. <laughs> Standing up for her faith gave her opportunities to witness for the truth and to stand up and point to God's word time and time again. So it was amazing to see how God was still working at Atheist Boy to try to get my attention. I'll tell you what, though, we had our ups, we had our downs, and it finally got to a point in about January of 2003 where we were definitely serious about coming together and being in a relationship again. And then about three weeks later, we were definitely serious about not being in a relationship ever again. This time we broke up, this time we walked away, this time we were done. Or so I thought. But wouldn't you know, God still has ways of doing funny things. Driving down the road one day, and I look out and I see a restaurant, and I'm like, yeah, first time I ever ate there was with her. Why did I think that? And then the next voice thing in my head was, you know, life with her really wasn't that bad, was it? Yeah, voice in my head, I guess you're right. First time we saw that movie, first time I heard that song, first time I watched that TV show was with her. Life with her really wasn't that bad, was it? Yeah, voice in my head, wasn't that bad. Maybe I should check it out. Maybe I should keep her in mind. And after about six months apart, felt compelled to reach out to her because she had just graduated high school. Now keep in mind, we had no contact for like six months except for the voice in my head saying, life with her really wasn't that bad, was it? And the whole time through, her voice praying. Not praying that we'd get back together, because she was done with me. To be honest, I was weird. She didn't want to date me anymore. 
I can't blame her. I was weird. But she was praying for me. Lord, I want to see him in the kingdom. Do you have somebody that you're praying for? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I stand before you today as a victim of prayer. Because as, as she prays it over and over again to get God to get involved in my life, finally compel, felt compelled to reach out to her and say, hey, you just graduated high school, didn't you? I want to get your graduation gift. Didn't have to. Wanted to. Could have sent a card. Could have sent nothing. Could have moved on. But, hey, I want to take you out and get you a graduation gift. Can I take you to the mall? We'll go get you something from the store. And while we're there, I mean, I guess it's like dinner time. Can we grab a bite to eat? Uh-oh, some of you are already chuckling. You know the sequel to that one movie that we watched back when? One of our favorite movies? The sequel's coming out soon. You, you want to go watch it together sometime? What do you guys call a boy and a girl walking around a mall, grabbing a bite to dinner, and then going to a movie? A date. You guys figured it out. It took her like three weeks. It took her like three weeks to realize that we were dating again. And it's funny though, because we look back at those things that I got her attention with for our second first date. It was the same things that we did in our first time of first dating. When we were first together and we're first getting to know each other and first, like, it's pleasant, it's special. We are enjoying quality time together. Wouldn't you know, I went back to those same old things and they worked again. <laughs> I'll continue that story in a bit, but what I do want to point out, of course, is that some relationships, there's a reason why you guys aren't together anymore. There are stories, like Andrea and I, where there's this happily ever after where Christian prays like crazy to see atheists in the kingdom, and it works out. But not every relationship is a positive relationship. Not every relationship has that happily ever after. There are some toxic, broken, damaged, you-need-to-run-for-the-mountains kinds of relationships that are out there. Any of you had some of those in your past? I know I have. People you can't even be Facebook friends with anymore. They friended me, they delete, delete, change my name. By the way, I'll note that if you know of somebody in one of those sorts of situations, you will want to be here next week or watch along next week as we have an opportunity to have a special Sabbath where our women's ministries and family ministries will be presenting what is known as End It Now. It's a valuable ministry that our is it two weeks? I'm losing track of time. Two weeks. Thank you. Next week is the Gans. That's right. We get to hear a story from Addison and Caleb as they preach. Two weeks, and it now weekend. Gives you plenty of time to prepare. One of those broken, makes no sense, why are they in a relationship together kinds of people, stories, is the story that you have your Bibles open to, because 10 minutes ago I told you to open your Bibles to the book of Hosea. You're there? Say amen. If you need just another minute, get a better phone. <laughs> One of those broken, why are they together kind of relationships is the story of Hosea and Gomer. 
Hosea, one of the minor prophets, has a very interesting prophetic ministry. He is one of the earliest of the minor prophets, probably back during the era, uh, definitely back during the era of Israel. Uh, so though or canonically, his book comes after Daniel, he's probably at least a century and a half before Daniel. The book of Hosea is well known for this opening illustration, and I had the privilege while I was in seminary to take the class from Richard Davidson where we studied Hosea, and he gave me this passage or this section. So Hosea chapter 1, we find out that their relationship, basically it starts off rocky already. Hosea chapter 1, starting at verse 2, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. I'm using the uh, New Living Translation, by the way. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. I'll note, by the way, that some of the other minor prophets had to do weird things as well. This is not out of the ordinary for God to ask his prophets to act out, dramatize, do a skit or some sort of physical uh, representation of the symbolic relationship between him and his people. This is probably one of the toughest ones if you're called to do it, though. Hey, pastor. Hey, preacher. Hey, prophet. I got a job for you to do. Go marry a prostitute. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of, Deb of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Wow. That took no time. Married and pregnant in the same verse. A few verses later, pregnant again. A few verses later, pregnant again. Three children, just like that. You'd think this family was blessed, happy, that all is well in their marriage and in their household. But of course, it couldn't be further from the truth. First of all, what are the kids' names? The first kid's name is Jezreel. Why Jezreel? God says in verse 4, For I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel. I named our kids, I named Hannah because, because God is gracious, he has answered our prayers. Your kid's name is Jezreel. King murdered a bunch of people there. Your daughter What's your daughter's name? Lo Ruama. Hey, daughter, your name means not loved. Oh, and other son, Lo Ami, you're not my people. Does it sound happy? Sound like all is well in this relationship? Could you imagine being in Hosea's shoes day after day, living in a household where your wife is still actively not in a relationship with you, but with others instead? Raising children whose job it is is to be a, a sermon illustration about how much God hates his nation? You think some of the callings that God has put on, on missionaries might be hard? This is first, foremost, this is somebody who's had to go through these hard times. Off to a rocky start, no real honeymoon, pregnant, kid after kid after kid, but we find out very quickly that, of course, these are just object lessons, really happening, but still lessons 
to really speak of how God feels about his people. By the time you hit chapter 2, we find that starting in chapter 2 and verse 2, now we want you to bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife and I am no longer her husband. God is definitely switching from using Hosea to D Hosea and Gomer and their relationship. He's now switched to using it as, as a sounding board for his own broken relationship. This sermon series is dealing with people who are in lost and hopeless situations, getting stuck in a storm, facing the walls of Jericho. Picture having no future with God. Could you picture being in a point where God has said, I'm not your God anymore. You're not my people anymore. I don't love you anymore. Could you imagine how hopeless and broken it is to know that you don't have a happily ever after? There is no chance for that. Could you imagine being in Israel's shoes and hearing the prophet of God declaring such awful things? Tell her to remove the makeup from her face and, the, and, and take off her clothing. I'm going to strip her down like the day she was born. I'm going to leave her to die of thirst as, dry, as a dry and barren wilderness. I'm going to take her to a desert and just let her die there. It's God's message through Hosea to Israel. Put yourself in Israel's shoes. Anybody feel like screaming amen right now from the word of the Lord? Because really, that's what these charges are. These are God's calling out to Israel. I want you to pay attention to something really important here. This is not God's efforts to call out against the sinners out there. This is God calling out the sinners in here. There are prophets that go and attack and, and, and call out the, the pagan nations. There are prophets that go out and address the Ninevehs and Edomites and Ammonites. There are the prophets who go out and deal with the sinners out there. One of the first works of a minor prophet, of a messenger of God, is to deal with the sinners right here. We're not calling out the pagans, we're calling out the church. You want to know how we know we're dealing with the pagans and not like the, the gomers of the world? Or, or we're dealing with the church? Look down at like verse 11. I will put an end to her annual feasts, her new moon celebrations, and her Sabbath days, all of her appointed festivals. You think God had a problem with how gomers keep in the Sabbath? Well, probably. But you think he had a problem with how Israel was keeping the Sabbath? The problem, of course, is not the Sabbath. It's not the God saying, I'm taking the Sabbath, I'm throwing it out, we don't have to pay attention to it anymore. What he's saying is, I'm mad about the way, what you guys are doing with it. Imagine that you guys had a weekly date, you and, like, if Andrea and I, and this is honestly something I've been called out for, because you guys know how I am sometimes. When we're sitting out on a date together, and as much as the love of my life is sitting across the table from me, on our special time together, Huh. Something interesting just happened on Instagram. Did you hear the new sports store scores? Did you guys hear the latest on CNN? The problem was not the date where God's just going to take it and throw it away. It's the way that we kept it. It's the way that Israel kept it. It's the way that it wasn't, it was just a hollow, empty, shallow, meaningless ceremony. 
It would be on the same level as if they went through the effort of buying roses for their wife on their way home from their girlfriend's apartment. You think God wants that? But that's what they're offering. And so God says, I don't want that anymore. And so he brings charges against them. And to be honest, he's bringing charges against us. Because I know it is so tempting to say that those sinners out there, but let's be for real. There are sinners right here. As tempting as it is to, to point and laugh and mock and scorn, we can be gomers at times. Bought into the house, married to the Lord, and then immediately turn our back on them and chase after the world. We can be gomers sometimes. All of a sudden, it just got real. Because this isn't just Hosea and Gomer and, wow, look at their messed up relationship. Now, all of a sudden, this is that third hopeless, broken relationship. Andrea and I, Hosea and Gomer, it's God and us. Hopelessly broken relationships. We said, I do. We took a swim, we got dunked. And then we ran right back to the world. It's so tempting to look down on the gomers of this world, but how much better are we? Or how much better would we be if it wasn't for God's grace? Because here's something amazing that happens. In Hosea chapter 2, as God is building his charges against Israel to say, I don't want... Right as he's about to pronounce sentence, you're expecting his case to build up and he's about to pronounce sentence, you know what he does instead? This is the passage that I had to study. Hosea chapter 2, starting at verse 14. But then I will win her back once again. Whoa. No, I'm going to destroy you. No, here come the Babylonians. No, not. Through all of your sinfulness, you know what, the, you, know what you have to deal with? You know what your punishment is? I'm still going to love you, God says. And I'm going to do everything I can to win you back. I will win her back once again. I'm going to lead her into the desert and I'm going to speak tenderly to her there. In the Hebrew, the phrase is literally, I will speak to her heart. Just a few verses earlier, the desert, the wilderness, that place was used as a place of punishment. It was where they're going to go to, to thirst to death. But now God says, I'm going to take them there, and I'm going to woo her all over again. Why would he take her back to, the, back to the wilderness? Well, as you continue, I'm going to return her vineyards to her, transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She'll give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. Do you remember that first date that God had with Israel? They had a nice seaside walk had a couple of meals together. He did majestic things to reveal his awesomeness and provided for them every step of the way. 
Do you remember what he did when the nation was but young and tender? Do you remember that first date that they had? God says, I want to have another one. I want to take her back to the wilderness. I want to try this all over again. Israel, you want to go to the mall with me? Head out to Vazoli's? Maybe grab a show? God is inviting Israel to a second first date. Just like Andrea and I had a chance to enjoy a second first date. Now, of course, we had to deal with this challenging reality that still exists. The fact that she is still an Adventist and I am still an atheist. And so I love the fact that God continues to work. God continues to call out. And she continued to pray like crazy. She prayed, God, you change his heart. When she realized we were dating again. <laughs> you change his heart or that's it, I'm done. I can't deal with it. I'm starting to fall for him again. That day, I felt God's impression. Something is just not right in my life. There's just something that's itchy here. And it's her fault. Because she's important to me. And that book is important to her. So why don't I pick it up and read it? What's the worst that could happen? Well, <laughs> if only I knew. That day, she handed me this Bible. New Century Version. And I started reading. One of the biggest problems, admittedly, that I had, one of the biggest challenges and obstacles I had going into this was not just the science versus faith, creation versus evolution. My biggest challenge was Christians who are not Christ-like. I had a problem that the church had gomers in it. I had a problem that the church would allow sinners into their midst, and even worse than that, that those sinners didn't realize what they were. I worked at restaurants. You ask any server in any restaurant the worst day to work, and the answer is Sundays. Why? Because of the after church crowd. How entitled, how cheap, how often they lie, they steal. Their better than thou attitude? They act like they walked across the river to get here rather than waiting for the God who parts the seas. One of the things that stood out to me as I started to read is the God who looks at sinners and says, you know what? I still love them. Just as God loved Israel in the story of Hosea and Gomer, he still loves them. He still loved Noah when Noah had a little bit too much to drink. He still loved Abraham when he found his way into his wife's secretary's company. He still loved Moses when Moses murdered a man. He still loved David when he did all of those. He still loved Israel. He still loved me. And he still loves you. So, 
What do you do if you all of a sudden feel like, eh, am I a bit of a gomer? Dare I say, am I a sinner? Well, a couple of things. One, first thing you need to do is admit you have a problem. First step to getting help is to admit that you need help. Israel was terrible at this. We are now entering into a period where there's roughly a dozen significant prophets going out and calling out Israel for, for various things that they're doing because they're just not getting it anymore. And do they ever get it? No, because by the time Jesus rolls around, they're still caught up in the same old bad habits. They think that they're okay, but they don't realize what they truly are. Sinners in need of a Savior. And admittedly, this is something that we know will continue on for some time, where we will be blind to our wretchedness. In fact, God foretold that there would be people at the end of time, just before Jesus comes, to be the Savior who are going to be so lukewarm to their condition that they don't even realize that they need one. They're comfortable not being hot, not being cold, just kind of floating. And that's good enough. First step is to realize that's not good enough. You have a problem and you need help. Where can you go to get help? Not me. Look a little higher. Second thing you can do. One of the things that God does is encouragement to the book of Hosea and throughout several of the minor prophets is to remember what brought you together in the first place. If you have had a chance to give your life to the Lord, to get baptized, maybe at summer camp, maybe it's uh, something that happened at a week of prayer at church school, maybe something from Sabbath school, at some point as in your journey, you grew up in a household that was, was faithful, whatever, you made a decision, you fell in love with the Lord, you got baptized, you committed your life to Him, but that was a while ago. Take some time and remind yourself of what it was like back then. Remind yourself of what it was like when you first fell in love with God. Just like I had the opportunity from time to time to remind myself of why I first fell in love with Andrea. It's good to take the time to go back and remember what it was once like. Pull out that old Bible that you once read way back when. Go back to that summer camp. Spend time at that elementary school. One of the things I love about this campus is the number of people who come back here almost on a pilgrimage. Because they're class of. Class of. They once met God here. And I hope and I pray that they still can. Remind yourself what you used to do that made your time special. Isn't that the passage that I read? She will give herself to me as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. One of the things that he wants Israel to do is remember what it was like back in the day. The other thing you can do is to find new ways to strengthen your relationship. One of the things that, that really caught my mind when I was doing my research paper, and by the way, if you're looking at our Bible notes, my sermon notes, the whole research paper is on there. You can pull up at least, it's like the last of my rough drafts. There's a lot of Hebrew though, so good luck. Um, but one of the things in there is to notice that in verse 15, it mentions, I'm going to take her, I'm going to transform the valley of trouble, mine says. Uh, it's, it's the valley of Achan, uh, or, or I'm sorry, it's Acre. Uh, this is a place where uh, 
mentioned four times in Scripture, this was a place where when in Joshua chapter 7, Achan had his sin and he had to be punished, they took him to the valley of Achor. So he's going to take this place that was once a, a, a noteworthy place where a significant punishment happened and a significant event in Israel's history, a bad event happened. God says, I'm going to take that bad event and do something new out of it, something beautiful out of it. And he says, I'm going to turn it into, his words, the gateway of hope. In the Hebrew, it's the door of hope. But I'm going to turn it into a place of hope. I'll note, by the way, that phrase, it sounds really neat, the door of hope. Never used it before, never uses it again. Just invented something new, something special between them right here on the spot. It's okay right here, right now, that God invents a special little place, just a special little thing between you two. And that's okay. Find a chance to have something new with God. Do something new to spruce up your relationship. I know it's not January 1st, so it's not a new time to start a new reading plan. But maybe it is. Did you know that you can go out and buy a devotional book any time of the year? And start a daily devotional on, on January, or January, July. Should have known that by the weather here. You can start a new daily devotional on July 23rd, and that's okay. You don't have to wait till January. You can have a new walk starting right now. You can also put an end to old routines that you know are leading you nowhere. As I referenced earlier, some of the, the challenges that God had with the way, that the, people, the way that the people were keeping Sabbaths. Instead, take them, remind yourself what they're supposed to be about, and do something new with them. Find a new routine. Get into a new way to make Sabbath meaningful for you once again. Find a way to make your family worships meaningful for you once again. Find a way to make your walk with God meaningful once again. One of my burdens, it's a phrase that I picked up when I was in seminary. The phrase is, intimacy requires intentionality. In other words, if you want to have a relationship, you have to put in the work because it doesn't happen by accident. That's true for friendships. That's true for marriages. That's true for children and parents. That's true for your walk with God. You have to be intentional because it's not going to happen accidentally. So make a decision that you are just not going to let the same old relationship that used to work, kind of, be good enough. Make a decision that good enough is no longer good enough. I want to do better. And God wants to help you do better. He's going to look at you and say, you know what? I know we had a rocky past. I know we had a bro broken relationship. I know what you did when you weren't with me. But I love you anyway, and I'm ready to have a second first date with you today. So here's my encouragement to you. You want to talk about a, an opportunity to say, you know what, Lord, I want to commit or recommit to you? Grab one of our Connect cards out of the pew in front of you. Praise team. <laughs> Grab one of the pew cards in front of you and check a box down at the bottom. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want information on baptism. I'll note, by the way, my calendar's all wrong. Next week is Gans. Two weeks is ended. Now three weeks is Commitment Sabbath. 
We have people who are already decided that they want to commit or recommit their lives. And we want to have a special prayer, a special dedication. And for some people, that might be just not a rededication, but some people might make us have to fill up our baptistry so we could do the dedication for the first place. Make a decision, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate that's going to go around and collect your offerings for a local church advance as we sing our closing song. Because I want to know, hey, Gomers, anybody thankful for God's grace? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, let's stand and sing Amazing Grace. share with you the benediction from that first Bible that I read, Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him. Then the hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Andrea, song. Oh.